Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Are you a football fan looking for the latest analysis and news on the Jacksonville Jaguars? You're in the right place. Black and teal, baby. Welcome to the Gen Jag Podcast with your host, Jordan DeLugo. Move those chains. Here's your host, Jordan. What up, Duval? Welcome to the 54th episode of the Gen Jag Podcast. I'm your host, Jordan DeLugo, joined as always by my co-hosts, Scott Klein and Hunter Evans. How are we doing today, boys? Uh, we, we won. I'm doing great. <laughs> Seahawks week. Yeah. Beat the Colts. Beat the crap out of the Colts again. No one's surprised by that, obviously. But I, I kind of am, actually. Why are you surprised? Because what? it's very hard to beat a team that bad twice. Well, your and last week prediction says you <clears throat> aren't surprised. 27 you predicted 24-3. Was it 24-3? Yeah. Oh, that's pretty close. I thought, okay. I'm still surprised that they just completely manhandled the Colts two times in one year. It sucks like, to do, but the Colts really do suck. They're, and they're awful. What they had going for them somewhat during the year was I agree, but the development of the 30- their free safety. Um, Malik Hooker. Malik Hooker. And he went out, and so their defense is just falling apart, really. I mean, I agree. Like, 30 to 10 is a bad, like, it's a beating. But oh, yeah. watching the game, it wasn't even close. Like, 20 points was almost too close. Yeah, I agree. Like, the f- the whole game was That could have been, like, a 44 to nothing Yeah, time it was game. a complete yeah. domination game. Uh, there was no point where I don't think anybody watching the game would have said the Colts had a chance to keep it close. Mm-hmm. Um the only reason I think it was that close is because Brissett somehow became a magic man. But, I mean... He's a magic man. I'm a little surprised that the Jaguars completely dominated the Colts for eight quarters. It's pretty badass. It's it's a good feeling. How are you doing, Scott? Good. I'm just listening to you guys chat it up. It's exciting. I wasn't actually able to watch the game last week. I was at Disney with my daughter. Weren't able to watch it live. Live. I, I absolutely went back the moment we got back to the hotel room and watched it. Yeah, Daddy Scott got in the way. <laughs> yeah. watching it live. I hope it was worth it. It was a good week to go. I mean, it <laughs> yeah, was a safe was. game. <laughs> I dodged this. I, I barely missed the Seattle game. Yeah. So, I mean, I I, I took one. I, I was like, you know what? I'll, I'll, I'll earn some dad points, some husband points by just missing the game. And I'm missing this week. So, you, you win this one. Ooh. You win yeah. this one. Yeah, you, yeah, Scott definitely wins there. Oh, yeah. He's now back in first place in terms of favorite coaches, I think. But yes. is he? Is he really? <laughs> Maybe to the fans, but not not to us. There's a roller coaster of emotions <laughs> on this. It is. Now uh, follow Scott Klein on Twitter at Scott Klein One. Follow Hunter at Coach H underscore Evans. You can follow myself at Jordan Delugo. Of course, follow Generation Jaguar on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Uh, Bold City Brewery, the one and only sponsor of the Gin Jag podcast. They are online at boldcitybrewery.com on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Bold City Brewery. You can find them on Roselle Street in Riverside, on East Bay Street downtown. And they have hooked us up today with That's an absolutely so awesome 
awesome beverage. If you listened last week, we actually talked about it. We were like, well, we weren't able to get our hands on it. But this week, we were able to get our hands on it. Shout out to Kevin Miller over there for hooking it up. We are going to have an awesome Pop Top segment. And the last half of the show might just be a complete train wreck (laughs) based on how strong this new triple IPA is from Bold City Brewery. But we'll get into that more later. But thanks again to Kevin and Bold City Brewery over there. So we've had some fun stuff go on in Jacksonville this week. The team's 8-4, tied for first place in the AFC South. Um, A lot of fun stuff going on. Seattle's coming to town. Game got flexed to 425. The weather's getting cold. It's rainy. Uh, it's just been a crazy week. They're bringing Seattle down here with them. Right. Uh, the Jaguars are full of baloney this week. <laughs> the good way. In a good way. Uh, yeah, Doug Marone, it's become very hot, funny topic. Yeah, national news. That Doug Marone enjoys baloney sandwiches every day and after the game. So Boar's Head took it upon themselves to send a crap ton of baloney to the Jaguars and the Jaguars have decided to donate it to the local soup kitchen. So good story all the way around there. If you would have told me last year that week, well, I think week 13, <clears throat> 14, week four, coming up on week that 14. That Boar's Head would be donating meat to the Jaguars? You would have been floored, right? Not only that, <laughs> but the, the fact that we'd be talking about baloney instead of uh, more than we're talking about the, the upcoming draft. Instead of the play? Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. It's crazy. Yes, baloney is a much hotter topic in Jacksonville than the 2018. No one's thinking about the draft right now. (laughs) Like they're the Jaguars are national news, and it's not for bad play. It's kind of weird. Yeah, like you know, we're national news because of stuff with Pete Carroll and his interviews and baloney (laughs) being delivered to the Jaguar stadium and. Uh, Jalen Ramsey going on with AJ Boya to talk to Deion. We're Sanders. actually like, worth yeah. talking about yeah. now. We're, we are part of the NFL again. We're We liked you guys. Uh, it's people kind of crazy, crazy, isn't it? Speaking though of the Pete Carroll incident, <clears throat> so I, I don't know if it was yesterday or today that it happened, but it came out today that it happened, at least in Jacksonville. A Seattle reporter who covers the team, Seahawks, that is. Not very well, apparently. Yeah, well, he certainly (laughs) doesn't cover the Jaguars very well. So he asked Pete Carroll how he how he thought Gus Bradley was doing in Jacksonville, what he thinks about what (laughs) Gus Bradley's doing, and Pete's just kind of like, "Can you repeat? Can you repeat the question? I'm not sure where you're going." Confusion on his face. Pete's just such a classy and nice guy. Like he tried to handle it really professionally, but the, the guy said, "How do you think Gus is doing?" He said it again. And he was like, well, here's how I'm going to answer this. Uh, Gus Bradley's doing a great job. With the Chargers. With the Chargers. He's their defensive coordinator. <laughs> he could have oh, ruined man. that dude's career. Yeah. Like, he could have ended his his job. Yeah, if you want to see the video, we have it up on ginjag.com via um, Aaron Levine. or Levine. He's another Seattle reporter that caught it on tape. <laughs> it was really classic stuff. <clears throat> But yeah, Gus Bradley is not the coach of the Jaguars anymore. Doug Marone is, and that's why we're full of baloney. We're happy about that. Uh, Jalen, he was asked about, is this a statement game? Pretty much all the Jaguars were, but Jalen and Malik had the most interesting comments. Jalen basically said, no, it's not a statement. We don't need to prove anything. And he doesn't really want to hear about what happened in the past. He basically 
is like this year's team is this year's team. Yeah. They haven't the Seahawks haven't done anything more than we have. Yeah. Well, you know, Why what, is it a statement for us? He goes, What's their record? Yeah. And the reporter goes eight and four and he goes, All right. Exactly. Yeah. It's the same as us. Why like why you you wouldn't you wouldn't hear that in Green Bay. You wouldn't hear that in New England. You wouldn't hear that anywhere else. I think it's tough. Like I'm on the fence on this one. Like I mean, I, it is a statement game. It is. I understand <laughs> what Jalen's saying. Like I really do. Like as a player, as a coach, as a you know part of a team. Like every team's the same, especially at this level. Like you are a professional athlete. You should be on that same standard. But for the media and for the fan, it is a statement game. It, no it's the same thing. Like and Malik but, Jackson agrees, it is a statement game. He feels like they have something to prove. And, I think that's uh, I think last year just being Jalen. Yeah. He'll say whatever the hell he wants to say on any given you know, day, and it doesn't necessarily mean anything. There Tim, have been Tim, some people that have come out though, like some media members that have come out and almost taking offense to what Jalen said. And like, yeah, Ryan Halloran's pissed. He like, rubs people the wrong way. Like, yeah. Ryan but that's Halloran the, can shut the hell up. Like <laughs> why are you taking offense? Like, don't ask stupid questions. Simple as that. Like, I don't think it's a stupid question. I think that in general, talking to Jalen as a media member is tough. And he does uh, put on a different act when he's on national media. Yeah. So that's got to be a little frustrating for local media when they see him going on oh. TV. They see a totally different guy than what you see when you deal with him every day. But and to me, I think I think the biggest thing is is going into Week 14. I mean, we're literally in the last quarter of the season. Yeah. Is this still a fluke? Is, have we point. not proved the fact that we're one of the top 10 teams in the NFL. I, I get his point. point from an individual... Uh, if you're looking at individual seasons, yeah, the Jaguars have proved yeah. as, as much as almost anyone this year. But, yeah, Jaguars have been a laughing stock for the last 10 years. Sorry you weren't here that whole time, Jalen. Yeah. But that's the way it is. I think, to me, that's part of what it is, though. And as a professional athlete, like, you don't come... It's, it's completely different like college. Like, when... Was it NC State beat Florida State this year or something? Yeah. Like, when a team like NC State beats Florida State... Wasn't the first time. No, but, like, (laughs) when when you beat a program like that, that's a big thing. No matter who you... Those middle-tier programs, you beat a top-tier program, no matter what year it is, it's a successful win. Yeah, and that's how it is with us, honestly. But I feel like at this this level... But it's different because you're a kid getting recruited to a bad program. Mm -hmm. As a professional athlete... It's, I think it's a different mindset. I, I, it's hard. Well, it should be a different mindset. But in my opinion, if we're really analyzing Jalen's comments, I think he's just I, well, I think being he's a little bit of a ta- baby. I think he's talking Honestly. on a little and I, I think he's playing to the crowd. This but. is the first time in his life he's probably been an underdog. underdog yeah. yeah, so, you he's know, never, he's like, I don't feel like I have to prove anything. He's an, yeah, he's an alpha dog. Like, so, that's cool. But so Malik Jackson sees the real side of it. This is a big I mean, game it for is. us. Yeah. It's a it's a statement. I think more to the on the national side of it. As a local, like local, I feel like at this point we're kind of we understand that this is a good team. For me, if they win this game, I'll feel differently than if they lose this game. Cool. I will. I think I if think they win this the, game, I'll have legit a legit feeling that they could win in the playoffs. Yeah, I mean, right now I don't. I'm still on the fence. Like I, I feel like at this point in the NFL. If you're winning, you're winning. To Everybody's me. on the same plane. Right, the and and Everyone's just record wise, though, eight and five looks a lot different than nine and four. No, it does. It completely does. But like in the NFL, you're on the same plane, unless you're the Browns. Like I said, like <laughs> everybody. But on any given Sunday in the NFL, you can win. Mm-hmm. I think for the most part. And again, unless you're the Browns or the 49ers, but yeah, or the Jaguars of last year. 
But at the same time, to the national media and to a lot of Jaguars fans, beating a team like the Seahawks, who for the past, what, seven, eight years, have been... Perennial playoff a, team. Perennial playoff team and a Super Bowl contender. Should have, what, two Super Bowls? Yeah, they really should. Um, yeah, somebody made a great comment. I don't remember who it was, but uh, they said... Pete Carroll's face hasn't looked that confused since they uh, <laughs> the, since they threw the, the ball on the one yard line. <laughs> to me, to me, the Pittsburgh game I think will Pittsburgh... always trump what happens this coming Sunday. Uh, because Pittsburgh, I think the this, fact that you went to Pittsburgh and completely dominated the Pittsburgh. Yeah. This is a team. This is a defense that's missing three of their best players. Still elite defense. It, Richard Sherman, Cam Chancellor, are probably. Top five at their position easily. Yeah, and Cliff Fairbill is probably Fable. top ten. But so they're still elite. They're they 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 are still very good. But it to me the more impressive win is always going to be Pittsburgh, unless we absolutely blow them out like the Ravens. Did. I completely disagree because right now our running game is dead in the water. If they win this mm-hmm. game, if the Jaguars win this game. If Blake Bortles is going to have something to do with it. Mm-hmm. Blake Bortles yeah. had nothing to do with the win against Pittsburgh. True. I agree with that. The Jaguars to just me, that's manhandled the Steelers. And that's impressive. That's, that's impressive. But that was half a season ago now. Yeah. Yeah. It does seem like a long time ago. You know, they we, they need we, to prove something against a good team. We pummeled the Ravens, who are now looking like they're going to be the wild card. <laughs> this game also means is going to mean a lot because it was flexed. The fact that it's at 430, it's going to be in more of like a... I actually technically it's not the national media. Yeah. So the only Fox way kind of screwed the pooch on that one. Yeah. The only way that it will be seen by more eyes than it regularly would be is if the uh, Rams Eagles game ends earlier. Yeah. And then the game that will be on following that, everyone yeah. will see. So they'll see the last five minutes of the game. But they kind yeah. of screwed the pooch on that. To me. I agree. I mean, the Rams Eagles is a good game though. I want. I, yeah. I'd want to watch that one too. Yeah, but you know why move it if. No, like, they, they should have kept it at one. Minute. It was a bad idea by Fox. Although it does give us more time to tailgate, more time to get ready, in the morning. more toys to be brought. I hate four o'clock games. Yeah, it is I hate them. I the, like the toy drive is next weekend. Next weekend, yeah. We post about uh, it this week. Just someone bringing toys this weekend. I've I've, brought, I've got a couple people bringing toys. <laughs> They're from out of town. They're from like Oregon, I think. Oh gosh. And they well, said they wanted a tailgate. I was like, well, bring a toy, get free beer. So you might have to give somebody free beer. I'm sorry. Well, we'll see about that. <laughs> we'll put on Hunter's tab. Yeah, that's fine. So, uh, Jaguars wearing teal for the second yes. time this season. That's really exciting. Do it. Uh, I encourage everyone that goes down to the stadium to also wear teal. I will be doing that, certainly. And be loud. This is a huge game. Biggest yes. game the Jaguars have had since 2007, really. And it's just time to win. Time to show the world what we're all about in Jacksonville and... Uh, this is a great time to do it. Now, Hunter had a gripe about some Pro Bowl voting issues. Damn right I did. So, what do we got? I don't understand why the Pro Bowl has outside linebackers with Jadavion Clowney and Von Miller and edge rushers. Basically, three, four outside linebackers and four, three outside linebackers are should the same. not. No, so they should not be in the same no. category, and there, they are. There's no way you're telling me that Jadavion Clowney is an outside linebacker. He's he a pass rusher. Technically, he might be because he's a three-four. But if you go tomorrow and Todd Wash goes to Houston for whatever reason and installs his defense, Jadavion Clowney has his damn hand in the dirt. Yeah, he's yeah. playing a defensive he's end. He's playing defensive end. He's playing unique's position right yeah. now. 
So don't say that him and Telvin Smith are the same position because no, they're it's not. It's crazy to think that. Does that mean Unique gets votes because he lined up as a, a outside linebacker when they went three man front on Sunday? Like maybe he should. But I just think the Pro Bowl has ruined it. Not ruined it, but they have screwed the pooch just like Fox. But they have screwed the pooch. Like Aaron Colvin should be getting votes. Because he's a nickel corner. It's a completely different position. Yeah, and it's a position that is highly uh, valued and is on the field more than a lot of linebackers are. It is. Mm-hmm. I, I feel like, for the most part, the nickel package, it's, what, on the field 85% of the time or something like that? 80% I mean, of the time? I, you see anywhere from, like, 65 to 75 That's maybe 80% lot. of the game. Yeah. That's a lot of the time that Aaron Colvin or nickels are on the field. It's a special position just like what, like, Jadavion Clowney is a different player. He's not a defensive end necessarily. He is his own little entity. But if you're going to quantify him, he's a he should be a DN. But I mean, like, you got to, if you're going to, like, don't put him as an outside linebacker. It's hurting Telvin Smith. To, they to, should definitely just have a different, yeah. Just should, have an edge category. Right. Like, pro football focus categorizes players, uh, interior defender. Mm hmm. Edge rusher and linebackers, outside linebackers in a four-three, and middle linebackers in a four-three. I'd be fine if they were categorized in the same Pro Bowl voting, because they're guys that you want to be able to just usually stuff the run and be versatile enough to do some certain coverage things. Yeah, and going back to the to the slot to the nickel corner, it's to me the Pro Bowl has always been just kind of a popularity contest it is name and are you really going to kick out xavier rhodes or patrick peterson for aaron colvin no but i mean you, you add a new position i think nickel could be a new position. so just expand maybe. the roster yeah make it bigger. yeah i mean why not if yeah. guys are out there earning it at that position i don't mind it but i still get it like that's kind of like saying well i think that there should be a position in the nba all-star contest for the sixth man. Yeah. <laughs> I get it. But there's, I mean, if, if a person plays, if a position plays such an important role mm-hmm. that they almost have to change the game a little bit to put them in a position, like the sixth man. Yeah, he's not a starter, but his role is so important. They give an award every year for it. You're right. You know, like if you're, if you're playing such an important position like that, or like in the three, four, if you're that outside linebacker, rush end, rush backer, whatever you are, edge setter. I you think, play a very important role. Like, go ahead and give them that edge rush little DN tag. Now that, now that I'm thinking about it, doesn't the defense have to stay in base four four three or whatever throughout the? Oh, whole? in the Pro Bowl. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you're right. And they don't blitz either. I don't think. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. It's a joke. The game is a joke. The honor of being. <laughs> yeah, it's more about the accolade than yeah. the actual game itself. I just. So. I think they got. They need to fix it. They need to fix something. Because I agree. There's no way that Telvin Smith and uh, Telvin Smith and Unique Ngakwe or Telvin Smith and Jadavian Clowney should be in the same category. No. There's no way. No, but I mean, Telvin Smith isn't even in the top ten right now of outside right. linebackers, and you're telling me he's not a top five outside linebacker in the league. Uh, he's easily been easily he's, top five. Easily. And a top five linebacker. And that's not a biased... He's a top five linebacker. That's not a biased opinion. That's... No. Watch the tape. Well, watch the tape. Look at the numbers. It's the you same know, thing every, with... Everything that you could possibly look at would tell you Telvin Smith is a top five linebacker. Yeah, and I think it's just... Yeah, I think it's a bad 
it's a bad look because you're going to miss out on players. Yeah, yeah. but most people aren't going to care. It's no, not going to affect not. that many it's, people. It's turned into, a, I think the Pro Bowl's kind of turned into a little bit of a diva contest anyways. Yeah. But having said that, go out, vote for Telvin. Yeah, Center, for real. Do what you can. Vote for Unique Ngakwe. Vote for Tommy Bohannon, who's leading the NFL in <laughs> Pro Bowl votes by a fullback somehow. I mean, I'm assuming just because the Jaguars have the number one rushing offense, even though it has fallen by the wayside lately. But we'll get to that more later. Uh, A.J. Boy and Jalen Ramsey are both leading cornerbacks in Pro Bowl voting, which is just awesome. So as much as uh, there is issues with the Pro Bowl and the way they handle voting, it's still kind of cool seeing some of these Jaguars up there. A lot of guys in the top ten of their position. Uh, and if you go tweet... Hashtag Pro Bowl and tag the Jaguars players in it. That counts as a vote for them right now. So that's pretty cool. Moving on. Injury update. The Jaguars have a litany of injuries right now. And we'll get into them. Alan Hearns, unlikely to play for the fourth straight week, I believe. Ankle injury. He's confident that he will be able to play by the end of the season. But doesn't look like that's going to happen this week. Telvin Smith and Josh Wells are both in concussion protocol. They both uh, fully practiced on Thursday. So seems like a good chance that the Jaguars will have Telvin to try to chase down Russell Wilson some and try to stuff the run game. Because, I mean, you look at the Seahawks. If their running game gets going, you're toast. Yeah, you're in trouble. Yeah. You are in trouble. They're so you want to have Telvin Smith out there. Obviously, Puz Lesney's no... Uh, he, he's not too big of a drop-off when he goes in there, but you still want to have Telvin. You want to have Josh Wells for depth. Marquise Lee limited in practice Thursday. No surprise. He's been limited or not participating in practice since week one. This uh, knee injury he has has been lingering, but he's been playing through it. Uh, last week he played fantastic, so good to see him out there. Uh, Aaron Colvin, limited participant for, the, participant for the second straight day. He has an elbow injury. Just limited, so he's probably going to be good to go. Jalen Ramsey hasn't practiced yet this week with an ankle injury. He's had an ankle injury all year, really. He's missed a lot of practice. Hasn't affected his play one bit. So that's uh, not really a big deal. Calais Campbell, limited for a second straight day. He has a wrist injury. Again, that's not going to hold him out. Paul Puzlesny, limited with a groin injury. Again, he ran a lot on Sunday. Probably not going to hold him out. Patrick Omame. He was all over the field. <laughs> Scott's I was about to make a joke and <laughs> continue. Way to ruin yeah. the segment, Scott. I, I'm sorry. I'm trying to keep my mouth shut. You called me out on it. <laughs> all right. So, Patrick Omame, starting left guard. He's battling a quad injury. He's limited. I'd like to see him get back out there, obviously. Chris Reed, he's uh, Omame's primary backup. He's battling a knee injury. He's also limited. And Leonard Fournette, despite not looking 100%, is still a full participant. His ankles bother. Like something. And I mean, Cam Robinson's not even on the injury report yeah. anymore, and he's clearly not playing like uh, he was. He's clearly a little hampered by his ankle as well. So that pretty much that does it for the injury report. There's a lot of names on there, but most of them seem like they're going to play. I mean, you're the only guy we're pretty much certain isn't going to play is Alan Hearns. Mm-hmm. And you look on the other side for the Seattle Seahawks, there's a lot of guys on there, too. Again, most of them are going to play. Dwayne Brown hasn't been participating in practice. Uh, He's probably going to play. Michael Bennett did not participate. 
He might have today. He didn't yesterday. But a lot of those names you'll see on there, but they're still going to participate. Yeah. The one guy on there that's a starter for the Seahawks who might not be good to go, uh, Ethan Pochich, and he's not playing well either. And uh, so doesn't really matter for them. Uh, he's, I believe, their left guard. I still wish we would have drafted him. Excuse me, he's right not their guard. left guard. Luke Jokel is their right left guard. guard. Right guard rookie at LSU. He is their right guard. Right. I apologize. He's starting center at LSU. Yeah, so he hasn't been playing very well this year, even though, you know, he's a guy that will probably develop, but he did not hasn't been playing great. Uh, so that pretty much does it for the injury report. Let's go ahead and jump into Jaguars-Colts recap slash where the Jaguars stand right now after the Colts game. Uh we mentioned this before. Bortles was fantastic against the Colts. No surprise. He's had many of his best days against the Colts. That's his best day. Yeah. That's the first time that you really saw why Bortles should, could be, like, earn that top through five pick. Like, he was on fire. Yeah. He threw some amazing passes. Yeah. So, I mean, it was, it was a career day. And I don't think it was, you could really say it was a fluke because he was spot on all day. And it's and it's been consistent against the Colts. Like he, yeah, I think he might have some confidence, but like he proved why he could be a guy. Yeah, and like, like the throw to Keelan Cole. Yeah, it was the first time a fade has seen the well, oh, and he hit it right in I'm between two defenders. So uh, the throw down the sideline. The whole oh shot, yeah, yeah, where he gets hit. He knows he wants to go with the single man coverage, and he takes that shot, and it's beautiful. Yeah. The, the two-point conversion to Mercedes Lewis, the fade touchdown to Cole. I mean, he was throwing Yeah, the some... Cole throw was great throw and catch. Marquise Lee was a, a oh. Spider-Man. Yeah, <laughs> yeah Marquise crazy. Lee made probably the best catch of his career. Oh, He's made a lot of really good He had a great nice game. He did. That's a nice catch. I think that was his first complete game of yeah. the season, I think. There's a lot One of One of the first ones. ones. So I think you're starting to see a little bit of comfortability with the whole receiving core. Of course, it has to come against the Colts, though. Yeah. yeah. But I think you're starting, to, you're starting to see yeah. a little bit of that chemistry develop. Yeah, you didn't see Cole dropping the ball. You didn't see Lee dropping the ball. You didn't see Mercedes dropping the no, ball. The All those guys. Getting getting in. Right, but that was Didi's no. first real drop. You saw yeah. Mercedes Lewis on third and long. Big and big, baby. Yeah. He oh my juked goodness. a couple defenders out of their shorts and uh, picked up a first <laughs> yeah. down somehow. I th- I just think for the most part it was clicking. Everything was yeah. clicking. Well, the run game, not really, not at all. But I think really. Blake Bortles for the first time completely owned the game yeah. on every aspect too. It wasn't just like he just kind of took control. He like owned it and made it his own game. And some of the throws really showed. And I think a lot of it goes down to play calling and the development of some plays and the design of some plays. He did a, I think Nathaniel Hackett did a really good job. You want to talk about some of those? Uh, I mean, one of the things you loved was Fournette. Uh, Fournette and empty. You yeah, got lining up a wide receiver. Close yeah. to the goal line, so you know you're going to get a man coverage most likely, and you put Fournette out wide in an empty set. I mean, And he made the play. You're he might di- not be 100%, but he's still going to beat you. Yeah. Uh, I mean, but you're linebacker. you're dictating. You're yeah. saying you have to cover him with a linebacker. Yeah. If not, you're gonna cover him with a corner. And then we got. I think it was actually like Keelan Cole in the slot. With what are you gonna have to do? Put a, a linebacker on Keelan Cole? That's sexy. And I wonder if that's something they've just been waiting and waiting till the end of the season to try to get going. It would surprise what? me. I mean, I, you never know. But I think you started to see just different wrinkles to things yeah. they can do. 
they were running even some of their run game. They started to run a little bit more out of the the shot out of the gun, a little bit Which more spread good for stuff. Blake. It was, and I think Blake the the protection was benefited a lot by how they were out formationing people. Um, you know, they got they hit Mercedes Lewis over the middle a couple times. Which is different because Mercedes Lewis has been getting hit in you know the flats outside the tackle box, yeah. and I think they started to use him a little bit more in the middle. Um, Dee Dee Westbrook get across the middle and doing some more drag routes. I think was really efficient. He um, looks so smooth. Yeah, he's he's good. Goodness. He's good. He is a fantastic player. Yeah, he really is. The Jaguars took a risk drafting him in the fourth round. It was worth it. Yeah. Oh, there's no doubt. He is just. Going to be, in my opinion, a guy that probably makes it so you don't feel like you have to try to get Marquise Lee back. Yeah. And you might let Alan Hearns, uh, you can't let him test free agency because he's signed to a deal, but you, you might cut him or trade, trade him. him. Not even that. Like, look at just his targets alone. I mean, the, over the last the, two weeks, he has 19 targets. <laughs> that's ridiculous. That awesome. Like, that, that's, that's. He's caught 65% of them. It gives you, it gives you, a, like, I think you said you projected it out over 16 games. That's, a, that's 80, 80 catches. catches yeah. he, that's huge. Didi has been the guy, though, that has got off coverage. Yeah. He has been able to separate himself from DBs. Dropped a couple on Sunday, but he's been open, wide open. Mm-hmm. And I think him being open has forced other guys to be open. You saw Q and Cole, like, Get open, wide open again. Well, we've seen Cole open. get open before. He just hasn't been able to but hang on the ball. As it's much. been a different type of open. Yeah. Like Sunday was a completely, and I know the Colts aren't the best DBs. That's that, and that. They, however, their defense had been playing better prior to playing the Jaguars. They the Colts had been in a bunch of closed games. Yeah, they've been playing forty five minutes of good football against yeah. teams they, and they're falling the apart. The Titans, see, they they yeah. really smothered them. Yeah, the receiving so. the receivers in general looked a lot better on Sunday. Mm-hmm. They did, no doubt about it. Now, while the receivers and Blake Bortles seem to be maybe hitting their stride, the running game's falling apart. Is it completely broken? No. Bad left guard play on Sunday was Chris yeah. Reed played terrible. Um, Parnell And he's was, battling through an injury, yeah. so you know. Parnell was okay. Cam Robinson doesn't look hundred percent. Even kind of was hobbled a little bit Sunday. Yeah, Parnell when he's um, at hundred percent is a different player. Yeah. Because yeah. you saw him in two thousand sixteen he was battling injuries for a lot of the beginning of the season and we were just he was a joke. Yeah. He was a joke of a player. He was a revolving uh, or a turnstile, you know, for I always think about D Ford just yeah. whipping him the Chiefs. Mm. But uh, you saw him get healthier towards the end of the season last year and started playing a lot better football. Healthy at the beginning of this year, playing very, very good football, mm. and now he's battling injuries and it's not looking as pretty. I don't. I mean, I don't think it's not all, all in the line. I do think the line's not been playing well, but Fournette hasn't been playing well. Mm. Yeah, he's not healthy. You could see on Sunday his runs. He's running out of bounds. He's running almost yeah. away from people now. There, there was he's time, not the guy that's calling Mike no. Mitchell out he in had, the middle of a play. He had come two two yeah. opportunities on Sunday to call someone out. Yeah, well, the yeah. one was late in the game. They ran the little outside zone to the left, going towards the bud zone, and he breaks out like they get perfect blocks. Mercedes Lewis, you know, hooked the the, the edge man. And he gets out. It's a safety. One-on-one. And Leonard Fournette just kind of runs into him. Not there, runs through him. There was one play where he actually ends up, like, instead of taking on a tackler, he just kind of ran back and yeah. let the guy take him that out of bounds eight yards yeah, behind the line of scrimmage. 
the, and then another one that really sticks out to me is they're they're coming to, they're going uh, north to the north end zone. I think they threw a little swing pass or something to him. Maybe it was an outside zone, and he had a linebacker kind of on his hip. And if he really wanted to, he could lower his shoulder, kind of cut back in, and run through a corner, and he runs out of bounds. Yeah, going towards the Jag sideline. And I just think that he's not a hundred percent comfortable with his ankle. I mean, he came out after a very simple tackle. Yeah, hobbled off the field pretty bad. So, and he said it's an injury that'll it's just probably injury. stick with him the rest of the season. Yeah, and that's unfortunate. It wouldn't surprise me if they go in after the year and clean it up. They'll yeah. go inside, you know, just cut a little bit of that scar tissue away. But <clears throat> I think I I will stick to the gun my guns and say that I think Shatley should be at center, and I yeah. think Linder needs to go to guard. I think he goes left guard. I think you're a lot better team with. Uh, Cam Robinson, Linder, Shatley, whoever, and then Parnell. I think you're a lot better football team. Well, hopefully Doug Marone and... uh, They ain't listening to me. (laughs) (laughs) They're going to do what they got to do. Who are we to guess really what they're doing, I guess. Now, let's switch to the defensive side of the ball. Pass rush continues to perform. It doesn't look like that's going anywhere. Paul Puzlesny, he got the start... Telvin Smith was out with a concussion. He, was all he played like a crazed animal. I mean, he played beautiful. That had to be one of the best games he's ever played in his career. Oh, yeah. 14 tackles, 10 solo tackles, a sack and a half. He was violent. Yeah. Yes. Like, in the stadium, he was watching jacked it, up, man. You could see there was some pent up rage. <laughs> for like, sure. On his waiting. sack. Oh, it was a beautiful blitz, too. And I, I when they brought Puzlesny on that delay blitz, uh, through, it was just beautiful. I mean, but they, they were so he was so violent with yeah. everything he did. And Secret I, weapon, Paul Plus Lesnar. <laughs> you know, I love it. I don't I maybe it's people pissing him off a little bit. I don't know what it was, but like he was the thing that made the defense go. I don't know if it was realizing that Telvin was not gonna show up or what, but he he looked like the the core of that defense on yeah. Sunday. I mean, yeah, he looked like a centerpiece type guy, like a yeah. Like a Bobby Wagner type People guy. People were following yeah. his lead, and you could tell. Because, I mean, very very few times do I remember Paul Puzlesny really getting excited during a game. Oh, like he was he's jacked just, up every yeah. play. <laughs> he was, I mean, he was going at it. And, yeah. You know, it was fun to watch, I think. And they get, again, the defense gave some different looks. They threw Yannicka, an outside linebacker, and uh, threw him everywhere. I mean, they went, he was playing, you know, inside the B gap, like, and then ended up outside rushing. So, good, you know. Do different shit. Throw yeah. something different at him. You know, Sean Gibson is playing that 15 yards when he's normally back a little deeper. Like, good. Yeah, speaking of Sean Gibson, he got another pick. He's now co-lead for the team with uh, with four picks tied with A.J. Boye. It is just crazy. Can you guys just remember how <clears throat> desperately this team yeah. needed to be able to force turnovers in the past. We had four mm. picks in a year. Oh my gosh. It <laughs> and now just, it's like every game. Yeah, it's just fantastic. And he's a real difference maker now. He's the guy that everyone wanted coming from Cleveland the season prior to him actually coming to Jaguars. Uh, he had played only 12 games, I think in 2014 or 15 for the Browns. But got six interceptions in the 12 games, yeah. which is just ridiculous. That's showing. That game is starting to show, I think. Yeah, he's really playing great football. And it shows what they actually, what the kind of the plan was for him last year. He even said it. He was the babysitter. Yeah. yeah. Really. Well, and I think 
T-Wig on 1010 actually said something about how, like, everybody's talking about the players. The players are great and all this stuff, but you can't ignore the coaching job that's being yeah. done. Like, it's Todd so- Walsh is taking the same players uh, at, you know, Barry well, Church. Well, Barry Church versus... a couple, but... Barry Church versus John Cyprian no, is I, not even yes, close. But you're, he take a couple players. It's not like it's a complete overhaul. Yeah. That's- and he's just putting him in a better situation. He's letting Jalen Ramsey play. The Jalen Ramsey interception is the ideal example of letting Jalen Ramsey play. You put him in a bait man coverage and a trail man, dude. He just trails a post. All of his interceptions this year, I think he's just been baiting yeah. the quarterback to throw the he ball. He just uses he did it against Joe Flacco, Ben yeah. Roethlisberger, and this week. I mean, he knew he knew he had a safety over top. There was no way that you could throw the ball downfield, and he just kind of trailed man and just snuck in front of the ball. It's always when he's undercutting a route because yeah. he's like, I I know yeah. I can beat this guy. Now Blair Brown, he yeah. had his first. NFL start. He didn't really play like starters snaps, but he played well. And it's good to see that because he's a guy that struggled. We talked about him. He struggled a bit during preseason and training camp. So, like Hunter said last week, he's a pro. The 90-day probation period is over. It's, 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 done, it's, it's time, it's time, to, time go. to go ball. Yeah. And he's doing it. So that's good to see, obviously. The run game did give up a couple chunk plays on the ground. Again, Telvin Smith's not there. Again, you're just kicking the crap out of them, and you're not really playing that intense later in the game. They gave up 141 total rush yards. You don't want to see that. But, again, close game, it's not going to be that. To be honest, that that number surprises me. It didn't didn't feel feel like that. Yeah, you weren't getting dominated. But I... I think a lot of the chunk runs came off of you could almost see like they were kind of pinning their ears back, mm-hmm. going upfield, pass rush wise. When you um, get ten sacks on a lot the guy, of, yeah. that'll a lot happen. Of, yeah. A lot of light boxes, yeah. almost like they at, towards the end there they were starting to be like a contain style because of how well Brissett was doing to get rid of the ball. Don't get surprised and don't yeah. get beat. And I think that's kind of what showed you didn't really see a lot of rush defense. You saw a lot of just kind of containing. Um, like, all the chunk runs were, like, there was no chance of them scoring on those chunk runs. Yeah, right. They were just them breaking through the first level mm-hmm. and then just kind of running for 10 yards and then getting tackled. There was yeah. nothing like, oh, damn, he could go and then getting tackled. Right. Um, I think that might have been part of the game plan, you know, kind of pick your poison, um, understand that you're just going to kind of get out of that game. And Right, and, and when, when you give up decent rushing yards on first and second down, but they can't throw the ball, then it doesn't matter. No. Yeah. So You can run for 140 yards, but if you only pass for 100, you ain't going to win any games. Exactly. So, last point from the Colts game, another fake. Oh, yes. I God, called I it, it, too. The I'm sitting there next to my wife, and I'm like, and I see it, I'm like, they're going to fake this punt. Or at least I would. And, like, right when I said that, they snapped the ball and throw it. I'm like, son of a bitch. I even hit my wife, I think. <laughs> and I'm like, I told you. You don't want to say that on We don't uh, advocate. I gently tapped her on the shoulder. Domestic violence on <laughs> gently the tapped her on the shoulder and said, I told you. And, you know, <laughs> damn it. But, no. I mean, beautiful. That's awesome. Yeah. 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 And they're, they're doing it. Different ways. Right, they're not doing the same thing every time. No, they're always taking something different. You see Brad Mortman throw the ball. I'm sure Pat McAfee was all jacked about that. <laughs> oh, and yeah. Do it for the brand. But, you know, the, the I think, and again, it goes back to the coaching style this year is completely different. They're going out to win games, not to not lose games. And I think that's yeah. a big difference. 
Yeah. With Doug Marone and, and all of them. Yeah, they're basically going for the throat and being the aggressor instead of trying to just outlast somebody. And I think right. even in his big mistake that he made this year, Doug Marone, that is with the uh, called passing play at the end of the Cardinals game, he was being greedy. He was trying yeah. to win. Yeah. He was trying to get a couple chunk yards, yeah. maybe end that thing right there. But, you know, I think really the games that you look at, like the Titans game early, um, maybe even the Rams game, some of those games we lost early, it's a different style of coaching. The games that we've won, and really every game we've won, it's a different style of attitude and coaching. Mm-hmm. And you can see, like, they're, they're going out to win those games. I and think the Titans game early, they were almost there not to lose. Yeah. And, and every game that they've lost, it's because typically they haven't been able to get the first punch in. Yeah. They get hit in the mouth. They just kind of, they're just there. Yeah. And, then, and you know, let's not get our ass kicked. Yeah. Instead but, of if you if you if they if they can throw the first punch mm-hmm. and yeah. strike early, it seems like it just snowballs yeah, and th- they can get into a groove. It's weird that a punt fake comes so early in the game, but it came yeah. at the perfect time. Like you could see the offense was kind of floundering a little bit. Yeah, Blake like, had no idea. That no. was one cool thing that Blake said after the game. He was asked about like, do you know when that stuff's happening? They have no yeah. idea. I, it was perfect so because it's fun for them it to watch put too. juice into his game. And, I, and on that end of the drive, Blake throws a, a beautiful pass. I mean, I don't, like it doesn't look fancy, but that pass to Marquise Lee to score a touchdown, that's not an easy pass. No. It's a really hard pass. So I think that really put the juice in everybody. Yeah. And I think you see people playing for Doug Marone. Yeah. I agree. I think they're playing for each other too. Yeah, it's like it's He's like built a good culture. Oh, there's definitely. I mean, a Gus culture. Bradley always talked about culture. It was the wrong <laughs> freaking culture. Well, man. I think the culture is. I think part of what he wanted is here still that mm-hmm. whole family attitude yes. and playing for each other. You hear it after Doug every game. Marone. I think though has really embodied it and brought that blue collar attitude to the culture. And I think you see it. Not it's not. Just, it's not it, just words anymore. No, and I think it's not just what they're doing on the field. It, you can't overlook what the players and new players, Calais Campbell and AJ Boye, to be examples, what they're doing off the field in the community. Mm-hmm. Both have given away Super Bowl tickets. Both have given away trips to the Super Bowl. AJ Boye just gave a whole shopping trip away. Like I think, yeah. this team is embodying the culture of the town, and I think the town's buying into it, too. So No doubt about it. Welcome to Saxonville, baby. Saxon. Well, they don't like that, apparently. Well, the D-line the likes D-line the D-line loves But it. according to the linebackers and the DBs... Yeah, they're the, like, well, we're not the ones getting We're not Saxonville. Saxonville. We're some, I mean, yeah. you hear they the Jackson 5 with the DBs all the time, but... You D- know, DBs and linebackers For me, add to that it's list. Saxonville, baby. Yeah. Yeah. That's what it's all about right there. Just now, bring back the Duval defense. The all-black... Remember Mike Peterson and them getting all hyped? Yeah, John Anderson and Marcus. They're there. They are there. That's what we need. There's no question. This defense is as good, if not better, than that defense. Oh, it's it's probably a lot. This is a top five, top ten defense of all time. Yeah. So it's been fun to watch. What is going to be even more fun to listen to is the rest of the show because we are about to do our pop top segment with the Bad Ombre Triple IPA from Bold City Brewery. 14% alcohol by volume is what it averages, but. There's no guarantees here. So we're about roll our sleeves up and get to work. I'm kind of excited. I'm a little nervous. I'm we excited, kind of... nervous. I was, I was talking about getting punched in the face and I punching see. first. I feel like yeah, I'm we're, about about we're about to get hit. You're about to get punched. I'm, All right. I'm really excited about this. I'm pouring mine first. Bolt City selfish. always comes through. Yeah. I really still wish Bolt City would bring back their, uh, the Dukes and the coffee. 
all coffee barrel cask, but you know, I can live with this. Yeah, you can have that one. <laughs> I'm oh, not, I'm not a coffee drinker. Delicious. Scotty doesn't like coffee. I'm not. <laughs> oh, Jesus. Ballsy. The pour was very brave of you, Scott. <laughs> all of it, Scott. Look at that color. Alright. You ready to taste this, boys? Cheers. Adios. Jacksonville. <laughs> oh, God. I can smell it. That's good. Hunter's always got to smell the beer first. Oh, wow. I do not... I do not like IPAs, really. They're not my favorite because it tastes like you're chewing grass. And I'm not a big fan of being a, a cow. <laughs> but this is delicious. I, I, with all the talk, I was like, this is going to be a nightmare. I thought it was going to taste like, swallow like it rubbing it alcohol. Eat my words. Yeah. It's good. This is good. This I'm is... so surprised. I, I mean, I shouldn't be because Bold City always puts out good stuff. Yeah. No, that's but good But it's though. just, that's good. Yeah, so again, the Bad Ombre Triple IPA. Maybe it's Find it good. at the <laughs> Bold City Brewery location downtown on East Bay Street. You can also go check them out on Roselle. BoldCityBrewery.com, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Bold City Brewery. The Seahawks are coming to town. Are they? Oh my goodness. They're coming off a huge just statement win over the Eagles. The Eagles are the best team in the NFL this year. Uh, they really kicked the crap out of the Eagles. According to Jalen, twenty-four to ten. Yeah, well, <laughs> Jalen's not here right now. The Seahawks, just like the Jaguars, eight and four. They're without several key players on defense, uh, but they're still maintaining and playing very well thanks to solid play by backups and an MVP-like performance from Russell Wilson so far this season. Wilson has twenty-nine total touchdowns. The Seahawks as a team has 30. So. <laughs> That's crazy. Yeah. Uh, he's just been a revelation, man. He's he's been getting hit uh, a ridiculous amount of times so far this year. He's been hit 93 times this year, but sacked only 28 times. That means he's getting rid of the ball, even though he's getting knocked around. And he's doing it very well. His completion percentage is a little bit down compared to some of his other years, but he's still at 62%. He is just the engine that makes the Seahawks go right now. Their offensive line's not helping them out too much. Run game's definitely not helping. The run game's not helping them out. What do you see from this guy? How do you stop him? Yeah, it's it's gonna be the hardest test of the season until obviously until you probably get into the playoffs. But I mean, when a guy when you can't nail a guy down to be one dimensional because he's an elite he's elite in both categories, whether he's running and being a mobile quarterback or he's beating you with his arm. Right. You can't really pick And they work po- together because yeah. he's fantastic at throwing on the run as well. It's, 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 to me, it's all about contain, do anything you can to keep him in the pocket <clears throat> because then he's not making those absolutely insane, just whirling dervish running around so the field. So are you talking that uh, Aaron Rodgers strategy from 2016? Yeah. <sighs> The, if you if you contain and just get interior pressure, that to me is so much better than just trying keep just trying to keep him in the pocket. I'm, is is really to me, Russell Wilson has been a product of the fact he's played in the same offense for almost eight years, nine years. He played in this exact offense pretty much in college, the the West Coast. I mean, complete the easy throws. 
I think as a defense, you kind of have to go against the grain. You got to really be. You have to. You have to understand that you have two of the best corners in the game. You have two safeties that are playing really well, and you just have to go after Wilson. Send the dude. Send them. Send send your front four. Let them pin their ears back and just kind of go. Because I think the worst thing you can do is try and contain him, try and spy on him. At a certain point, he's going to be able to scramble enough that he can just kind of dink and dunk and make those big plays. Um, to me, I don't believe with him just sitting in the pocket, I don't believe he can be – I don't think anybody in the – in the league, can t- pick apart this passing defense. But he's not just going to sit in the I, that's pocket. The, that's, what, that's, what that's, what, his, that's what I'm saying. His ability to sit in the pocket but somehow make the pocket 55, 53 yards wide yeah. is what makes him so dangerous. You can't just let him be comfortable. You I have think, to yeah, go. I think containing is playing it conservative. Yeah, I yeah. think you got to go. I think you can't play conservative. Go after him. Attack that offensive line that's pretty much beat up and a little, de- you know, a little weak right now. Um, yeah. So to that point, and all three of the or they've had four losses. Tennessee was the weird loss that they had. It was an outlier type of loss. That they were Tennessee was the only team that beat them running the ball. Tennessee just pounded it down their throat with Demarco yeah. Murray, and also wasn't really able to get after Russell Wilson too much. Green Bay, Washington, and Atlanta, the other three teams that did beat the Seahawks this year. They were able to sack Russell Wilson multiple times. Uh, they were obviously able to make the running backs ineffective. And they were also able to hold Russell Wilson under 60% completion percentage. So to me, that says, get after him. Do everything you can to mess with that guy's head. Yeah. And it might not be enough, but you got to try. I think you got to make him uncomfortable. And that's the biggest thing. Like a guy like that, you have to force him to be on his toes the whole game. Yeah, and 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 knowing, and we just talked about it—the aggressive nature of this this coaching staff. They're gonna they're gonna want to disrupt the guy. I just well, he, his, the the way he beats the Jaguars is his improvisation and just when they get outside of the play. And then the wide receivers all of a sudden breaking off and I, going in. I agree, but I think sporadic. the Jaguars' defense is fast enough. They're mm-hmm. one of the fastest in the NFL to be able to keep up with his sporadic movements. Yeah. And I think a big part of what has what the Seahawks do so well is their boot and sprint out pass. Yes. When they get Russell Wilson kind of moving and they're able to throw because their receivers are really, really technical receivers. Doug Baldwin. Especially Doug Baldwin. He's, they're not overly fast. They've never been overly fast. They've just been really good at the routes they run. And I think if you are able to force them to be technical, you put Jalen and AJ on them and force those receivers to be perfect in their route running. And you force J- Jimmy Graham to beat not just one, but you kind of bracket him with a, mm-hmm. a linebacker and, and a safety. Force him to make a play. And then you get Russell Wilson uncomfortable because you're sending dudes. I think it's, it's a tough game plan to beat because you always have to wonder what's happening. And I think the lack of run game, the lack of having beast mode there anymore, and not really having a stable of running backs like they have in the past is going to hurt them. They do have some guys that they use... To, they're not. But there's nobody that they can line up and hand the ball to and run the ball like they used to. They can't line up and say they did it with Mike Davis last week against the Eagles. I don't think the Eagles front, while it is fantastic pass rushing, I think the Jaguars (laughs) might be able to handle 
handle the Seahawks offensive line a little bit better than the Eagles. Were I think so. Good. I think, and I think what's going to really help this week is the interior of the off or the defensive line. I think um, I I would not be surprised if you see Calais Campbell in a three tack a little bit yeah. more, just because I think you could put him against Jokel and the other, whoever the other guard is this week mm-hmm. and kind of abuse them, yeah. especially when you got Malik to worry about Avery Jones and Marcel Darius as the other one or three. Would you would you Expect to see maybe a regular dose of unique Darius Campbell Fowler. My my just guess, to keep the athleticism on the field. My I personally think that I would come out with a heavy dose of unique and Fowler off the edge, and mm-hmm. then throwing Campbell a mixture of Campbell and Malik in the middle. I don't think you're going to have to worry as much about the run. So I think Avery Malik Jackson. But I think oh, Avery Jones and shame. Marcel Darius. I'm sorry. And they're la- they're they're not really pass rushers. Yeah, they're run. They, you know, they're gap fitters, and they fit. Mm-hmm. They they hold mm-hmm. gaps. I don't think they're necessarily as effective because there's not as much of a run threat. Mm-hmm. I think you shooting gaps and being able to get off double teams and really rush the passer is big. And I think if you can throw four guys out there that can constantly, constantly get in Russell Wilson's face, you have a better chance to win. Because then you let Telvin Smith and. Um, Miles Jack. Miles Jack. I don't know how I just forgot his name. I don't know either. I was thinking, for some reason, Malik Jackson came coming to my head. But Miles Jack and Telvin Smith play. I think you're going to be better. I think you should expect to see a lot of nickel, ton of nickel. Expect to see, you know, the the eleven in my mind right now would be Church and Gibson, Boye and Ramsey, obviously. But I think you throw take out whoever the outside backer is, the extra outside backer, and or and throw Colvin in. And then you have uh, Miles Jack and Telvin and then whatever four front guys you want to throw in. But I think you put speed out there. I think you go after Russell Wilson. I think you play – You have to do what got you here, I think. Yeah. yeah. Like what you're saying. You can't just try to alter your game plan against Russell Wilson because you're scared of him. Make yeah. him scared of you. I mean, yes. this Jacksonville defense is special. Yeah. yeah. Show what you're all about. Yeah, Get after I'm, 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 I'm probably being too conservative. Um, yeah, if, if you're if, being Gus Bradley, but man. you're not. I am. Only, I get out I've of seen mindset. a lot of posts like, "Oh, we got to put a spy on Russell Wilson." He's not. A, he's not a mobile quarterback. Well, I that is untrue. I wouldn't say that. Yeah. He's not a. He's not a. To me, he's not a dual threat guy. He's not a guy that's gonna. We've he, had this discussion. Your definition of dual threat is different than most people's. He is a threat to run the ball. He's a threat to get on the move. Yeah, but to me, that's not what I consider a dual threat. Because if you want to go off that aspect. Aaron Rodgers is a dual threat quarterback. Well, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. But in the traditional sense of things, you don't put a spy on a guy like no. Russell Wilson and Aaron Rodgers. Because they want to throw it, the ball. Yeah. They, yes. I, I was, I, to me, I'm as far as contain, instead of just pinning your ears back and getting upfield well, as quick yeah, as you can. Yeah, I mean, you, you obviously got to be gap sound. Yeah. And that's the biggest thing. I think. Be more conscientious of that. Just because you're week. containing doesn't mean you're gap sound. Being gap sound this week is going to be huge. That's edge, more what I mean. Edge it's setter just, has to understand he's the edge setter. Yeah, he, you cannot let Russell Wilson outside of you. And that's that to me is the biggest thing is um, you know remaining gap sound in the defensive front. Linebackers have to understand. Yeah, I'm dropping in coverage. I'm responsible for this gap still. Yeah, I'm not saying I'm not saying just sit back and wait to react to what Russell West, 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 what <laughs> Russell Wilson is doing. If you if you can get the tackle and put him in his lap. Yeah, yeah I, think, I mean that's. I mean, just, that's just if you look good. back, like 
if you look back at the Seahawks past couple of years, their worst games have been when Russell Wilson's getting hit. Yeah. Like, a tremendous amount. So, you could take, and I, I believe this 100%, you could take away the word Russell Wilson in that sentence, and take away the word Seahawks in that sentence, put any other team and any other quarterback, and it holds true. Yeah. That's true. I mean, any team you go against, I feel like when, when you get them off their the quarterback off their mark, that's how you win. When you're yeah. able to Tom punch, Brady, Patriots, yeah. you punch a quarterback in the mouth a couple times, it changes the the mindset of the, the team. They yeah, become, and you've seen that with Blake Bortles this year too. Yeah, when he gets hit, he changes. I would, if I'm Seahawks coming into this game, I would plan for a heavy dose of. A lot of I would go a lot of shotgun, maybe more of that read option look. Um, even if it's not a call read option, you can go call a quarterback run using Jimmy Graham slipping out into the flats, maybe some of that RPO style, because I think that's going to be one of your best ways to get the defense on their heels. Yeah, they just won't be ready. Yeah, yeah. You, you have to give the defense something to look at. Um, but Speaking of uh, Jimmy Graham, nine touchdowns in the last eight weeks. What do you do with him? He's a freak. bracket him. You you have to bracket him. A guy like that. Go for his I knees. mean, he's what, 6'6, six, 6'5? Six, oh, six, Just kidding. Yeah, it's messed up. He's like, I mean, 6'5, six, 6'6, six, six, something yeah. like that. Yeah, he's massive. He's, he's a freak. I mean, he's I a mismatch say, no matter who you put on him. I would say you, you probably. The linebackers between Miles Jack and Telvin are going to have to carry him vertical. Yeah. Um, kind of wall him off, force him to. They're going to carry him to the, to the safety depth almost. Uh, force. Some really tight throws, maybe have kind of a you know a low hole kind of squatting safety, always ready for that option. Um, and really, you're gonna have to trust the corners to cover the receivers. I think is big. Which that's no problem. It's not, but I think a lot of the times this year you've seen the corners be able to cover with safety help. I think the safeties are gonna have to more worry about Jimmy Graham, or at least one safety is gonna have to worry about Jimmy Graham. So one corner is gonna have to understand I don't have safety. I kind of like the idea of Jack slash Smith with Church worrying about um, Graham because Church. While he's not as good in coverage as Gibson, he is more physical he's and he's bigger. No, I agree. I but you can't cover Jimmy Graham one on one. No, no, I think it's very hard to do. So that's why I think you're going to have to kind of that switch off coverage where you carry someone to a certain depth. Understand, okay, I got a guy behind me. Now I got to go back to a different zone. I mean, I like it. They'll get it fixed. Recipe for success. They'll they'll figure it out. Now, Ramsey was asked about Doug Baldwin this week. He was like, are you going to – you didn't really talk too much uh, smack to Larry Fitzgerald. How are you going to handle that with Doug Baldwin? He's like, Doug Baldwin's not Larry Fitzgerald. Yeah. <laughs> so I think that says it all. <laughs> yeah. So I think that's going to be a fun matchup for sure. I think there's a there's not very many guys like Larry. Where I, Coming into the week, I'd be like, Larry man, Fitzgerald, I, would, I would be surprised. A, I'd be surprised if Jalen was talking Larry to Larry Fitzgerald him. is a monument. He's a legend. Yeah, he's like on both sides of the ball. He, he carries so Jerry, much. Like respect. he is what like a Jerry Rice was in his day, except not quite Jerry. But he's like that attitude. Like the everybody respects Larry Fitzgerald for what he is and what he's done. Yeah, no that Doug Baldwin ain't that. He's a good football player. He's, he's a very good football player, but he ain't Larry Fitzgerald. So let's yeah. move to the other side of the ball, which is really just as concerning as the Seahawks offense versus the Jaguars defense. Jaguars offense versus Seahawks defense. My goodness. 
Seahawks don't have Cam Chancellor, Richard Sherman, or Cliff Averill. Jacksonville guy, shout out to Cliff Averill. Sorry you're not there. Uh, or sorry you're not healthy. But it hasn't been a problem for their defense this year. Earl Thomas is making up for a lot of deficiencies. Uh, Chancellor's backup, Bradley McDougald, he hasn't been the type of player Cam Chancellor was in terms of being an enforcer, but he's been good in coverage. So that's an interesting wrinkle and change in their defense where Chancellor did both, but you liked him more as a run stuffer or just enforcer than a straight-up coverage guy, whereas McDougal does a little bit more of the coverage. Um, at the corner, you know, trying to replace Richard Sherman's tough, but Justin Coleman and Shaquille Griffin, who's a rookie from UCF, they're both playing very well, and they've got Byron Maxwell back. He's not playing as good as either of those guys, in my opinion, but this secondary's playing well. You've got Bobby Wagner and K.J. Wright at linebacker who are absolutely ferocious, especially Bobby Wagner. You've got edge rushers. Uh, Frank Clark is playing well off the edge. And um, Michael Bennett's an edge player slash interior player. He's got seven and a half sacks. And you've also got Sheldon Richardson on the inside. Jaron Reed from Alabama on the inside. This is a tough defense, with, even with all those injuries. How do you guys see the Jaguars attacking them? Same way they attack everybody else. <laughs> I mean, it? you gotta they gotta keep they're gonna keep trying the run, running game. I mean that's that's what they what they wanna do. Um, they're gonna have to try and find ways to they're probably gonna I would try and move the pocket as much as you can because in the past that's shown what Blake Bortles has excelled at. Um, kinda get play out of the pressure areas. <clears throat> You can only do so much to slow down this this D line. Yeah, but they're gonna be coming. Yeah, I, I think moving the pocket's tough against this defense, just because of Bobby Wagner and KJ Wright. Yeah, they're they're sideline to sideline. You know, you move the pocket, that's great in theory, but with a guy like Bobby Wagner, just like Telvin Smith, he shoots one gap, and next thing you know, your quarterback's getting hit in the face just ten yards wider than he normally would. Yeah, um, I think. The idea of spreading them sideline to sidelines probably the best idea. Force those guys to run, chase you both ways. I think that's, for some reason, I think all the football, not just the NFL, has done a bad job of forcing defenses to play 53 point, whatever, I mean, four yards wide. Yeah. Look what, look um, what um, Houston did. I mean, it was a shootout, and they just they spread the ball out. I they, think a lot of teams fail to remember that the field's 53 yards wide. Mm-hmm. It's not just 100 yards long. Like, spread them out. Like, and not just with formation. Spread them out by play call. Like, mm-hmm. force them to chase you sideline to sideline. That opens up a lot of vertical gaps. And I think um, with the receivers we have, you can do it because you can call DD on the crossers and the and even Keelan Cole on crossers. They're, we, They're both doing well. We're an extremely fast receiving core. Yeah. They're not very good because of how young they are but they're extremely fast um i'm always seeing a wide receiver come in motion and come and simulate like a a sweep the reverse and it's never it's never it's always just just action moving across the field when they hand it off when are they going to start 
actually threatening to do that. You gotta well, imagine it's gonna happen. The problem eventually. is you always call something like that because one, you're trying to see how a defense reacts. Like yeah. if I'm calling that, I just want to see how they, how they're shifting, how they're adjusting to the motion, and any kind of threat of a, a reverse of some kind. But is so, it a threat if it never happens? <laughs> Yeah, it is. Because you still have to be ready. You still have to be. You still have to force yourself to adjust to it. So teams are usually watching. You always have some kind of cue for it. Um, I don't think we'll see that. I think you. I think the ball's got to get out of Blake's hands quick. Yeah. I think get the ball out. Uh, challenge the corners because I think without Richard Sherman, you have the ability to challenge both corners now. Um, middle of the field might be iffy. Well, Earl Thomas. Yeah, yeah he's, he's a freak been. of nature. See, any um, part in the later third would be iffy. To me, really, the middle of the field from the tackles in scares me. Like from the offensive tackles. Right. I think when you have Earl Thomas sitting in the middle, but then you have Jaron Reed and Sheldon Richardson in the middle, like that's scary. And sometimes Michael Bennett. And Michael Bennett, you throw in. The, the weakest other team is, is to the outside. Yeah, without, without Richard Sherman and I think without Cam Chancellor who really is just an absolute freak. I mean, he pretty much has a position named after him <laughs> for the most part. But I don't think there's a right way to attack the defense. Like obviously, you don't watch film. We're not watching the Seahawks film day in and day out. So um, I think they just got to force the Seahawks to play sideline and sideline would be my best bet. I, think I like it. Force them to chase you. Keep Russell Wilson off the field. Um, yeah, and this doesn't seem like a game where Leonard Fournette's going to get going. No, I think if, if Leonard Fournette comes out with 60 yards, 60, 70-ish yards, but like good yards, not like 30 carries for 60 right. yards. Like if he's, if he's a 20 for 65 kind of guy or 23 for 65 kind of guy. You can take that. He's helped you out. Yeah. I think, teach, again, TJ Yeldon is a big part of this. He's been a big part yeah. of the game plan, I think, lately. Um and I think the tight ends are going to be big. You got to be able to take your quick little chunk mm-hmm. yards like they've been taking. Yeah, um, it'll be interesting to see. We'll touch on their special teams a little bit here. Tyler Lockett, oof, he's scary as a yeah. returner. Impressive player for sure. Blair Walsh, big leg. We know him as a kicker. Might miss uh, a couple here and there. Yeah, he's, he's not been the most week. accurate, but you know he's got the leg. Uh, John Ryan, he's been playing pretty well. Nothing spectacular, but playing well as a punter. But in Seattle's wins this year, he has 19 kicks inside the 20. 19 punts inside the 20. So field position is going to be huge, which leads me to my keys to victory for the Jaguars. Get in Russell Wilson's head early. Hit him, hit him, hit him, hit him. him Hit him as much as you can. Force him to win the game for the Seahawks, pretty much. Execute at the end of the half. First half and at the end of the game. Russell Wilson is absolutely fantastic at the end of games and then the halves. Yeah, and the fourth quarter, in the to- fourth qu- every fourth quarter so far this, this year, he's got like 15 touchdowns and one interception. Yeah, he's just been it's amazing crazy. at the end of the game. Uh, finish plays, not just finish the game, finish plays, wrap up. Do not let mental mistakes in terms of not wrapping up, just trying to hit a guy to the ground. Finish the play on defense. Make the easy catches. Keelan Cole, Marquise Lee, Mercedes Lewis. Didi. Didi, please, just make the easy catch. Uh, And then my last thing, Bortles cannot make the big mistake. No. He did it against the Chargers. They got lucky and won. He did it twice against the Chargers. 
He did it against the Cardinals. They weren't so lucky. He cannot make the big mistake in this no. one. And that's it for me. I think if they do those things or a few of those things, it's a win. I really do. Yeah. So uh, anything else you guys want to add to that game? I just think as if, if you're the Jaguars right now, you've got to and take a little bit of what Malik said, take a little bit of what Jalen said, and combine it. The Seahawks are coming in this year at 8-4, and four, the same record. They're coming into your place, though. They're having to come across the country, about as far as a game as you can travel other than going to Miami. Like, put make them uncomfortable. Make them earn everything they have. And I think you put them in a position where they have to beat you and you don't beat yourself, they're going to win. Like, yeah. I don't want to – it doesn't want to sound cocky or whatever, but the Jaguars have proven – they are a very, very, very unbreakable style team. Like it takes a lot to beat this team. It does. And I, I mean, think not a lot of teams have done it lately. No, they've been winning a lot. Yes, yeah, and they've been winning in every fashion, which is really rare, I think, for a team this late in the yeah. season. People forget this was a team that was three and three. Yeah, they're now eight and four. Yeah, <laughs> and I mean, they're finding the way to do the dirty work. Yeah, and they, there's to me, look at just looking at their schedule, it's helped them out a little bit. Steelers um, were on that. I don't agree with that. I, I, that's probably another conversation. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm talking about this. I, I thought you were talking about the Seahawks. Uh-oh. No, the triple IPA is getting to you. I'm sorry. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm on my phone trying to do research, <laughs> and you're talking about the record. I just think the Jaguars have to play their game. Just go out, play, and play like they did against the Colts. Play like have that same game plan. Just kind of shoot your shot. You know, yeah. like if it fails. And you go out in a blaze of glory on Sunday, and you can go out and say, like, hell, we, at least we threw everything we got at them. Yeah. And that's fine. I think most of Jackson will be fine. Jacksonville will be Shoot fine. Shoot your shot. But, <laughs> seriously. But if you go yeah. out, like, against the Cardinals, where it was just kind of, like, yeah, everything just kind of fizzled out, yeah. and then we come in late, and you lose, it looks bad. Mm-hmm. Go out. It did look bad. Earn that national attention, finally, and I think the Jaguars come out with a win. All right. So, if you think they come out with the win, if they do those things, let's get your prediction. Right here and now. Score prediction? Yes. Scott, go. That went first last time. Man, this game scares me. Um, because of Russell Wilson. Or Russell Westbrook. Whatever you want to call him. <laughs> <laughs> um, to me, I think we have the defense. We're very well equipped to be able to handle a potent offense like this. Their defense is crippled. I'm saying it's going to be a close one. It's going to be a nail-biter. The defense is really going to have to, I think, carry the load on this one. 2017. 22-17. 22-17. Jaguars. All right. Winning at home. The Just huge momentum going into the playoff push. This is really our last big test in the schedule. Before the last week of the season. Before the Titans. Hey, I'm <laughs> the Titans can go do something. Go suck an egg. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but I mean this 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 game it will be huge going in to the last few games of the season. Yeah, no doubt about it. Hunter, what do you got? I personally think the Jaguars clinch a playoff spot this week. The only thing I think. Wait, throw... you think they're clinching a playoff spot? Yeah. So the you... only thing I think that might change it is the Chargers win, but I think they clinch it. Well. uh... The Colts have to beat the Bills, I'm pretty sure. 
possible. Bills I, I, I really think the Jaguars might clinch it this weekend. And then uh, somebody else. It wasn't. It was like the Dolphins. The Broncos there. have to beat somebody, and the Broncos suck. Well, Their defense can, can pull out some. So, out of you're right. I'm so it's possible. Right. I, I think they <laughs> clinch it. And if not, I think they're really close. Like, it's just one little thing like away. Like, one game away. away. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think the Jaguars win. I'm going to give two predictions of score because I don't know how it's going to go. I think it's going to be like a 34 to like 28 style, 34 30. Fairly high scoring game. Or it's going to be like a 17 to 9, 17 to 12, like that kind of range. Like a, a shootout with one touchdown kind of score. Um, so that's why I'm kind of iffy. Well, that's pretty unhelpful. But I'm sorry. Moving I'm, on I'm from go, Hunter's terrible. Prediction. I'm gonna go 25 to 19 Jaguars. All right. Just because it was right in the middle and I was unhelpful <laughs> before. I'm sorry. Hunter has predicted the same score that I predicted for the Seahawks. 19. Scott has predicted the same score that hey. I predicted for the Jaguars. The close game. 20. 20 19, to 19. 20. That's a good score. Yeah. I could see that. I think it's a great score. Hey, we've got a phone call from Ryan Molly coming in. We're not going to answer it, but if you're listening, Molly, no, I just ignored you. <laughs> Whenever you listen later in the week, that's happening at this moment. He's probably calling about New Year's Eve. Molly's my college roommate coming down for New Year's, uh, and I think we're going to do a fun little carve vodka New Year's Eve party over at Sea Chasers. So, uh, Trying to make the ladies happy with that one. And uh, so, yeah, all of us are going to have the Jaguars winning. We have a chance to we have a chance to clinch. Let me just bring this up. I know. I know the exact scenario, dude. I read an article They're all... I know you. That's what I'm saying. They're, they're clinching They're anyway. all realistic. <laughs> to me, they're all... Whether they do it this week or the, next week or least, whatever. But the least realistic is the Bills losing to the Colts, to me. Other than that, the Dolphins to the Patriots... Yeah, obviously. The Chargers. Wait, have, no, I thought the Dolphins had to beat the. The Patriots. Dolphins have to lose to the Patriots. Oh yeah, you're right, you're right, because the Dolphins are. Yeah, the yeah, Chargers yeah. have to lose to the Redskins. Very possible. What's the Broncos yeah. game. The Jets have to lose to the Broncos. That's possible. Broncos can beat the Jets. I think That's the least possible. possible is the Colts beating the the Bills. We'll see. And the, the Bills are maybe the Jaguars. But it's also a lot of different things that have to happen. No, there's like, there's five yeah. options, but the Super Bowl. Super Bowl. <laughs> Super Bowl. <laughs> So we're all going to pick the Jaguars to beat the Seahawks. We are off our rocker here. What? Drunk Who picks on the, the Bad Ombre Triple IPA from Bold City Brewery and just drunk on winning. <laughs> drunk on Forever Teal. So we're excited. Uh, <laughs> everybody's just going to take a sip here. Uh, it's starting to taste really, really not alcoholic. <laughs> and it's dangerous. It is dangerous. It's a good thing they only gave us 32 ounces of this thing. It might be too much already. You been to tailgate with this stuff? Oh, no. No. I don't want to miss the game. People would not make it into the game, that's for sure. Around the AFC South, real quick, Titans are 8-4. and four. They travel to the desert to face the Arizona Cardinals. They five go play. Uh, I think the Cardinals, that's going to be an interesting game. Because they are going to try so, to blitz the crap out of... Somebody's going to get the Titans. They've been skirting by week after week after week. They barely like beat the Colts recently. Teams. They barely beat the Browns. They, a few weeks before that, didn't didn't uh, pull away from the Colts until the fourth quarter. So, you know, they've barely been beating some teams. You're right. Texans versus 49ers. This is like a battle 
like the Texans should want to lose, I think. Get yeah. a higher draft. Pick. Yeah. Because <laughs> they're not going anywhere this year. 49ers, they got Jimmy G in there now, and he's playing good football. One week. But hmm. Made some all you've wins. ever seen from Jimmy is good football. Yeah. That's that's the truth. Yeah. So Colts, like we were talking about, they play the Bills. The Bills, uh, I think they might have started out six and two. Yeah, yeah now they're six out. and six. They, uh, them and the so Chiefs are really struggling. Oh, the Chiefs are floundering. Yeah, so those other two games don't really matter. But Titans, Cardinals, you got to keep an eye on that for sure. And it's in Arizona. Come on, Blaine. Yeah. Is that a one o'clock game? I don't know the time for. Oh, it better be it a one o'clock it game. Couldn't. It won't be because it'd be eleven o'clock in Arizona. Oh man. Oh uh, yeah. I want to. I want to watch that game. Well, but it's going to be going on during the Titans game. You know, we'll or all be keeping game. an eye on it. Keep one, let one walk. Sheldon Richardson versus Malik Jackson. This is interesting. I don't like that one. It's tough. It's like, damn. I think Malik certainly provides a lot more pass. Sheldon Richardson versus Malik Jackson. On the the total package, give me Malik Jackson. Sheldon Richardson is a headache. Was it it him or was it uh, Wilkerson? It was Wilkerson. Who was... The, the crazy speeding with his son in the car. Is it? I yeah. thought it was Sheldon. I, I know was Sheldon Richard. was a headache for the Jets. I don't remember the exact scenario. I thought Wilkerson's the one that like missed a bunch of time. Though. Well, he always oh, he's yeah, missing practice yeah, no, and stuff. But, but I think Sheldon Richardson, he Richardson, got like, like pulled over going 150 miles an hour, 120 miles an hour or something with a kid in the he's car. He's teaching his kid. I think it was like his nephew or something. Yeah, I don't know. What, something weird. He's playing good football, but Malik Jackson is just a model I mean, Malik has so six sacks already this and year. Yeah. People forget. And, and he's a great. He's playing great football. I yeah. mean, don't discount what he's doing on the field. I, I, I stupidly forgot to mention him as one of the yeah. best defensive linemen. But he's he's really having an impact on this okay, football. So team. since we both took or we all took Malik, how about Sheldon Richardson versus Marcel Darius? Marcel Darius. Marcel Darius versus Malik Jackson. I, I can't do that. I can't pick in the house. Completely different player. That's I like know, but that's who's why, more important to the defense. That's like asking who's my favorite kid. I can't answer that. You're gonna get me in trouble no matter I what I say. I would take Marcel over Sheldon because I think Marcel's proven that. I mean, he's a stud. God, yeah, he's an elite he's, player. He just looks. Yeah. God, just sh- things he and then Marcel over Malik. They're 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 different. How about yeah? They play next to each other. They're yeah, different Bob, players, but. I mean, I feel like you're going to say Bobby Wagner, but Bobby Wagner over Telvin. I mean, I think you got to take Bobby. Yeah, Bobby Wagner, he's, he's probably for a while. Yeah. And he's just, he's arguably the best. And as good as Telvin's played this year, I think Bobby's been just a little bit better. Yeah. I still, he's unbelievable. I think you might take, I would take that. I don't know. That's I mean, tough. age-wise, you know. Can't you yeah. Miles Jack? I mean, you Miles, go on, Miles, but I feel like yeah. you go on for like a lot of what we have here is a lot of what they. Yeah, have. it's Seattle. This South. is an exciting, yeah. and match. that's what Gus was trying to do. He just couldn't quite get it done. Yeah. Uh, so you know, it is what it is. Sorry, Gus. Yeah. I meant, I but meant, he's not. I shouldn't feel sorry for him. He's doing fine. He's defensive coordinating one of the best defenses in football. I it's funny because the beginning of the year they were trashing Gus Bradley and his defense. Well, it's come together, and a lot of that is has to do with. Bosa and Bosa Ingram, and Ingram man. They are special <laughs> football players, pass rushers. So, kind of like we was trying to I wanted to ask yeah. um, the the game on Sunday, the cat signal. Yeah, the cat signal. I heard about it. Failed. I, I wasn't it failed miserably. It failed miserably. Really? The problem is it's a day game. 
There's nothing like they can't shoot a. It might work this week. I if they know. did it in a, if it was a night game. Well, what like okay, what dark, what exactly? What they shoot off fireworks. But they're supposed. To, I thought it was supposed what? to have like a, a, a. Have like something over that sound system. That's like an, that's like, an, like an air raid warning or something. So they need something. Problem is, most people are still in the parking lot, anyways. Yeah, it's one of the many parking lots tailgating. It's tons of parking lots. I it, get, I get the idea is to get people in the seats on kickoff to get an atmosphere because it's it's always watching it on TV like I do a lot. It's you always a lot of people. But that's they just every, trickle in. I mean, I do it too. Think, we're wrapping up the tailgate. We're trying to rush yeah, in there. Yeah. The, we have to stop because people are giving us free tailgate food. That's hard. Yeah, but I think all Jaguar fans need to go before we before we end this. Go to the pavilion, the little cabana area, the nachos up there, and the food. Okay. <laughs> All right. PSA. Get the nachos. <laughs> Go and get the loaded chicken or steak nachos. It's worth it because it's the same price as like the loaded nachos. I haven't nachos. eaten dinner yet, bro. I'm sorry. I'm hungry. I'm sorry. <laughs> All I know is the guy was like, is that enough chips? Yeah, man, sure. Oh, is that enough chicken? Yeah, man, sure. You're supposed to say no. Well, Have you learned I nothing mean, from Chipotle? We did, but like, it was a ridiculous amount for ten bucks. So, you know, just a little PSA for those Jaguar fans. Oh yeah, I'm just trying to help out the, you know, the man trying to struggle by. That's gonna pretty much wrap up our show. I think we had a good one today, despite dealing with Scott the heavy Scott. alcohol content. <laughs> Scott forgetting about Malik Jackson. Nobody got I, I completely zoned out and then re-entered the conversation and thought you were talking about the Seahawks. Yeah. When you were talking about the Jaguars. I mean, the triple IPA, the bad ombre, Bold City Brewery, it'll do it to you. Thanks to Bold City Brewery. They're the one and only sponsor of the Gin Jag podcast. You can find them online at boldcitybrewery.com, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Bold City Brewery. Go visit them on East Bay Street downtown or on Roselle and Riverside. Big shout out to them. They help us out so much. Uh, follow Scott Klein at Scott Klein one on Twitter. Hunter at Coach H underscore Evans. You can follow myself at Jordan DeLugo on Twitter. And make sure to check out GenJag.com. All the latest Jaguars updates, podcast videos from UCF Jaguar. You can also follow on Twitter and YouTube at UCF Jaguar. Um, Wear teal this weekend. Please, yes. everyone, wear teal. Let's do it. Forever teal. And just bring it. Bring the noise. Do not step into that stadium if you're not ready to cheer when the Jaguars are on defense. If you're not ready to be loud when Russell Wilson's under center or back in the shotgun, just get the hell out. Yeah, That's honestly I mean, how I feel. <laughs> he's, he's used to the loud atmosphere in Seattle. Yeah, not when he's on offense. That's when he's on the sideline. But. Yeah. <laughs> let's, see, let's see how he, he handles... Let's see how he handles the noise when he's trying to call the shots. Yeah, let's bring it, Duval. That's all we ask of you this weekend. Just bring it. Bring as just with everything you've got in you. Just bring it. And remember to be forever teal. And let's go, Jags. Let's beat the Seahawks. Let's make a statement. Let's uh, get a quick something from Scott Klein over Before here. we go, a okay. little bit of Jeremy Parnell news. Jeremy well, not Parnell. news. Um, PFF has 32 observations throughout okay. the NFL through week 13. PFF um, minute. Sneaking it in here. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Jeremy Parnell, um, if he has 70 more pass-blocking snaps without giving up a sack, he'll be the only right tackle in the PFF era, which is dating back to 2006, to have played more than 370 pass-blocking snaps and not allow a sack. The, the only same one. man that could not touch D4 last year. <laughs> Good for him. Yeah, that's awesome. That's great stuff. Let's hope that continues this week. Let's hope it happens. And um, 
you know, shout out to Jeremy Parnell for potentially making some PFF history. And shout out to Duval. Shout out to Jalen for being Jalen. Shout out to the whole Jaguar team. Shout out to Boar's Head for hooking up the Jaguars and the local soup kitchen. And shout out to all of our listeners. If you can, please uh, follow us on SoundCloud. Review us on iTunes. We'd really appreciate it. Have a great rest of the week, Duval. And again, please, please, please bring it on Sunday. Peace. Thanks so much for listening to the Jenjag Podcast with your host, Jordan DeLugo. Online at genjag.com. Twitter at Generation Jag. Facebook and Instagram at Generation Jaguar. Block and teal all day. We'll catch you next time. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.